Hello, I'm John Foster, and welcome to Inside Holiday Letting, a podcast series from Sykes Holiday Cottages, exploring the holiday letting industry and giving you the tools to get the most out of your investments. Today, we're going to look at location, 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 where to invest and why, with our industry experts, Vanessa Warwick, Rachel Brennan and Bob Atkinson. And we'll start with Vanessa. Where should you buy your holiday let? Well, uh, you need to think about uh, the area and what people are doing in the area, what there are attracting people to the area. Ideally, you want this to be year-round activity. Uh, A lot of places are extremely seasonal, so you will get massive amount of bookings and even be oversubscribed during uh, the high summer season. But then for the rest of the year, those uh, seasonal areas can shut down, uh, you know, the restaurants and the bars and the shops close, the museum shut down uh, and there's nothing to do. So you really do want to focus on where there are attractions bringing people into the area because it's all about footfall and um, I'll share a little story with you we went into a huge furniture showroom in Guildford and had a look around there I think we were looking for a new sofa and then next door there was a little furniture showroom and we we popped in there and we spoke to the owner and we said crikey you must feel really in the shadow of that big store next door and he said far from it he said uh, they do all my marketing for me because every single person that goes into their showroom has a look around there and then pops next door to see me so essentially if you've got all these big attractions in the area who are all doing their own marketing to bring people into the area Um, then you're going to piggyback off the back of that as well. So that would be my number one thing is to look for an area of year-round activity within a one to two-hour drive maximum of a large uh, population density because then, as we've been saying throughout these podcasts, you can benefit from this growing trend of the, the long weekender, as I call it, or the staycationer. So, yeah, location, attractions, footfall, paramount. I suppose, Bob, you know, when you're looking at honeypot locations, and that's just such a wonderful description, where are they? Well, there are honeypot locations all over the country. Um, But, you know, some of the real classic ones that just sell in ridiculous uh, quantities in terms of people going and wanting to stay there. The demand for going and staying in these places is enormous. But you go down to the West Country, you've got places like Solcombe, for instance, places like Dartmouth, um, you know, some of those places down in Cornwall and Devon, which, you know, have amazing attractions, fabulous places to eat out, you know, they're picture perfect in many ways, uh, and they they attract huge crowds because of how wonderful they are and how much there is to do. But they're not just all down there in the southwest, you know, there's plenty up north, uh, you know, places like Whitby on that Yorkshire coast, Scarborough, Filey, those kinds of destinations, places in the Lake District, you know, you've got places like, obviously, Windermere and places like Ambleside as well. 
Um, but you know, there are there are places all over the country that kind of really attract people. And of course, somewhere like the Cotswolds, you know, anywhere around sort of like Borton in the Water, Burford, those kinds of areas, um, you know, they attract you know loads of people. They want to go there. It's those kind of picture postcard places that they want to go to. And again, playing back to uh, what uh, uh, Vanessa was saying before, you think about uh, certainly the destinations there in the Lake District on the uh, Yorkshire coast, in the in the Cotswolds or uh, places even like in the Peak Districts or North Wales. They're all within one and a half, two hours maximum of either that massive belt of population that runs across from Liverpool all the way over to Hull, or that going down to the Midlands where you've got your big cities of Birmingham, Derby, Nottingham, Leicester, all of those accessing those really, really easily. And then when we get down to um, certainly in the southwest they're relying very heavily not just on on places like bristol and those areas but they're relying very heavily on people coming down from the west midlands and also people going across from london and the southeast going uh, going to be able to stay where they can get to them easily for those short breaks but also when they're taking their longer summer breaks you know they're, they're, they're not so bothered about that that journey time so much but they still stay within those areas you know, where those honeypot locations are. They do well. Are there any places that are up and coming? Because, I mean, you've mentioned places like the Cotswolds, the Yorkshire Coast, the Lake District. Properties in there, in those areas are going to be at a, at a premium price, aren't they? So where are the up and coming ones? Where in five years time, where are those locations, do you think, that could be a bit cheaper to buy now? Well, I'll give you an indication of where people are wanting to go for their breaks. And I think it'd be good to get maybe some comment from Vanessa and, and Rachel here in terms of, well, are people investing in those areas? What are they doing? Because, uh, you know, they give us that spin on it. But certainly there's been uh, there's been holiday trends in recent years where people are wanting to maybe get away from some of the much busier uh, uh, places uh, uh, on holiday and get away from it all and uh, and explore some of the amazing countryside there is around the UK that is a bit less visited. So you take that northeast coast, if you like, that Northumbrian coast, absolutely stunning coastline, amazing beaches, lovely old castles, plenty of places to eat out, great pubs, fantastic for walking. Destinations like that, you know, are, are massively in demand for people who want to just go and get away and do something a bit different. Then you go up to Scotland. Now, I spent a part of last summer up in the northern part of Scotland around that route that is known as the North Coast 500, which you feel like you're a million miles away from, from where I live in, in in Greater Manchester and it was really interesting to see when I was up there how many people were up there because they wanted to be away from the crowds of the beaches in the bigger resorts uh, in other parts of the country or in some of those really busy countryside areas you tend to get in say the Cotswolds or the Peak District. They'd gone up there to if you like to escape the crowds and it was interesting to see that if you were looking to, to, to get accommodation up there accommodation was in relatively short supply. Uh, I don't know that was an issue across a lot of the country last year with people staycationing but certainly up there where there seems to be a lot less if you like holiday accommodation available so i wonder if there's a, you know a lot of these areas where people are looking to go somewhere a little bit different a bit outside of the obvious areas you know is there actually much property there available for people uh to do holiday lets or uh, you know are, they, are, are those areas missing a trick um rachel i live in calderdale which is uh, right on top of the Pennines. And, uh, you know, you might not think of coming here for a staycation for a, a weekend away or anything like that because it's near the towns of Halifax and it's midway between uh, Leeds and Manchester. 
But over the past couple of years, TV programmes like Gentleman Jack have been filmed here, uh, Happy Valley, Last Tango in Halifax, and all of a sudden we've noticed a big boom in the amount of people coming to visit. Is it worth keeping like a little eye on what could be uh, popular in culture at the moment? Because that might have a rub off on an area that is not perceived to be a holiday destination as such. Most definitely. I mean, there's many location out there where there's lots of local development um, for even leisure attractions, great foodie areas open up, access to open spaces, beautiful walks, beaches, even improved sort of transport links as well and new local festivals and events cropping up. Um, so I certainly think there's a huge advantage there to keep an eye out um, for those upcoming areas. And a few that sort of spring to mind, we've got some fantastic uh, locations in North Wales, many areas in, in, in Scotland there, um, the Peaks, the Dales, um, East Anglia being some of them as well. And if you are confined by budgets, the most important thing is that you are buying within your budgets and that you're crunching your numbers and you're leaving enough to put that property to a fantastic standard. So you may want to look just on the outskirts. So it's still easy, accessible to get into all of these popular locations, um, but you'll be able to offer a fantastic stay just outside. And Vanessa, you know, you're looking at maybe going for the next holiday let and you're looking around the country. Where do you think is going to be great in a couple of years' time? I'm actually a fan of the Kent and East Sussex coast uh, because of its close proximity to London and it ticks all of those 10 boxes that uh, I gave out in one of the earlier podcasts. Um, property prices um, are, are reasonable in some of these uh, seaside towns and looking at up and coming areas is, is always a very astute way to go. Um, as a, for instance, Margate, um, you've recently had the new Turner Gallery opening there. Um, there's a very famous park called Dreamland, which was derelict, but it's had hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, of uh, cash injection to uh, revitalise it, attract people to the area. So, um, you know, it, it's a case of, of doing your, your research, driving around if you've got the time and, and looking at where these opportunities are, where, as we've been saying, there's a lot of footfall, there's things to bring people to the area, there's attractions coming into the area, all these kind of things. And then the other way that I look at things is if you have got a very, very strong honeypot area, look to one side of that because prices will be significantly cheaper, but you can still, as, as Rachel alluded to, you can still attract people who, who in who want a slightly less expensive option who can still visit the honeypot area easily. So a good example of that would be where I've got another holiday let, which is on the island of Portland, which is attached to um, the Dorset coast by a little causeway uh, next to Weymouth. And when we were looking for our holiday let there, a four-bed house and, and this was a long time ago <laughs> a four bed house with a sea view in Weymouth was about 375,000 but literally three miles away in Portland the same exact same house same size with a sea view was, was 225,000 so it was very very significantly cheaper and lots of things were going on in Portland to make it increasingly attractive and you know one of the biggest things that was happening was it was um 
no longer a naval base. So all of the kind of elements of of the navy being there, uh, the, the the kind of negative things were starting to be removed. And prime example, there was some huge kind of gas cylinders as you as you drove onto the island, and then they're, they're not the you know most attractive feature when you're just arriving for your holiday. Those gas cylinders were removed, and that was developed into a marina where they eventually uh, hosted the 2012 uh, Olympic sailing events. So, um, you know, where you can see opportunity for growth, for infrastructure improvements, transport improvements, aiding people to get somewhere quicker, that's a very, very strong indicator as well. Um, And just kind of be ahead of the curve. By the time you know, people are talking about it being a hot spot and it's in the Telegraph on Sunday as, as a new property holiday like hotspot. It's, it's probably a bit too late. You need to be really ahead of the curve. But that's how I seek out opportunities. Um, j- just to add on as well there to, to what Vanessa was saying with that example about Portland, um, a good example of somewhere recently where um, there has been a huge surge, if you like, in demand for people to go away on holidays is the North Wales area. Um, so North Wales really for years was was known for, you know, quite a number of resorts that were a bit down and, and dirty and not that great anymore with some pretty horrible holiday camps. And you had to kind of go past all of that uh, to get into like Snowdonia or onto the Isle of Anglesey or all the way around to uh, the resorts um, down at the far end. But what has happened in recent years is that, you know, local people up there have recognised opportunities where they could start to... Um, open up some absolutely fantastic tourist attractions. Um, so you think of things like Zip World up there now, where they have these amazing zip rides across the old slate mines. mines. Um, they've even built underground attractions in the slate mines. They've, they've really gone to town at building up some uh, some great infrastructure up there for tourists. And that infrastructure, when people are looking to invest and they're looking to looking to put that kind of thing into an area, that is when you know that the demand is going to come in from people to come and visit them. And that is where there's opportunities there. I think think for many people to then think, well, should I be looking in that North Wales area to to maybe, you know, find something I could invest in and, and use as a holiday cottage? Because the demand is definitely there from people to go and visit. And, and again, with North Wales being very close to areas like Manchester, Liverpool and uh, uh, across the north of England, again, very accessible. So they become year round. And I've heard people talking about uh, Cumbria, northern Cumbria, where they're looking to build, uh, you know, the next Eden project up there. And that there's a lot of interest in people realising that that is also going to drag more people to come and visit uh, over and above who was already going to the Lake District. So I think it's really good for anyone who's thinking of investing, you know, think ahead to what kind of tourist attractions are being built it's not just the stuff that's already there already but what is likely to be redeveloped in 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 the coming years to draw people in and it doesn't have to be your classic coastal or uh, or countryside location it could be small towns uh, or even some of the cities where you can uh, get a, a holiday let where you know tourists will visit with things that are being built for them and Rachel, it's it's going to have a difference, isn't it, uh, where the location is on on all things to do with your business, the occupancy year round, what you can charge in rental, the accessibility, the flexibility on the rental length. All of this plays into the location. 
That's right. All, all of this is, is going to be taken into consideration. And location, of course, is, is a very, very important factor. But it's certainly not the only factor to, to consider. I know um, just from recent weeks, I mean, 18% of our customer searches in the last sort of four weeks actually haven't had a location put in there. They're actually coming to us for, for, for inspiration. But of course, your location is going to to um, affect your income on that seasonality. It's going to affect how competitive your pricing needs to be, particularly if you've got a lot of properties in the area. Um, if you're offering very similar features, um, if you are outpriced versus the others, um, then they're going to book the other properties. So it's something that you do need to, to consider there, certainly. Um, and of course, those all important features that we've discussed in other podcasts have been able to boost your income on those and um, to make you stand out, to make your property wow. So it's competitive prices. If you have a number of properties offering the same features um, nearby, you need to ensure that you are not outpricing yourself against those because that customer is going to go for the property that is slightly cheaper rather than your more expensive property. And of course, it's you know all the other podcasts we've discussed on property features to increase on your booking just to name a few those hot tubs those open fires the good wi-fi being prep friendly and um, all of that is going to increase on your revenue but also allow you to stand out to give you that wow factor mm. and vanessa like like rachel's just said there i mean Different people are going to be attracted to different parts of the UK, and that could be from families to couples to dog walkers, for instance, dog owners all going away together, whatever. It's going to be different each time, isn't it? It is, and I, I've really decided to specialise in uh, smaller groups of people, and that's really just my opinion. I don't have any direct experience otherwise, but just from what I've heard from a few other people, is that if you have just a couple and one child, there tends to be less wear and tear than if you have, you know, a very, very big property with large groups there. Um, particularly if people are looking to host kind of parties, as we've we've touched on, stag or hen nights, uh, those type of scenarios, um, things can sometimes uh, get a little bit... Uh, excitable and uh, there is some sometimes damage done from my understanding so I, th I think you've got to always go back to what what the demand is and who the client is that you're trying to appeal to that that's that's the starting point a lot of people create a supply and and hope that there's some form of demand but a savvy investor will find the demand first understand that demand and the niche of that demand that they want to attract and then create a product that suits that. So just think always about who your, your guest is, what they're looking to do in the area. As a, for instance, uh, at our coastal holiday lets, we um, have a, a little shed so they can dry wetsuits overnight and, and just little things like that. Uh, so you've thought of their journey through the holiday, what they're going to be doing, and you've provided the amenities for, for them to enjoy themselves. I don't know if that answers the question, but um, it's just really thinking about, you know, that, that demand uh, and how you're going to create a product that appeals to that um, demand and even exceeds the expectations of, of those people and that, that client group. 
And, and Rachel, you know, if you're looking to have a property, maybe to move into when you retire or get to a certain age and you think, right, OK, this is where we want to, to finish up and say it's in the country, you'd be silly buying a property in a city or a town or something like that if you want to live by the coast. So, again, you've got to think about the location and what you want out of it as well as an owner. Yeah, of course, there's there's motivations when you're thinking of purchasing um, your property and, and where you're going to choose that property to be located. And that motivation has to be a, an important playing factor to that. If it's pure investment, then that is where you can look at those sort of honeypot areas, the ones that's going to give you that, that that best return. But of course, if it's driven by other factors as in a property for you to retire to, then that has to be your 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 main factor that you're gearing to um, and that you're, you're playing to. And Bob, as we've talked about in previous um, podcasts, uh, more people have decided maybe they want to have a holiday home abroad somewhere. So again, what are the advantages, disadvantages of buying abroad and also the location factor in that? Well, I think the biggest issue with buying overseas is um, the fact that how are you going to get there and how often are you going to use it? I, th- I mean, if you're if you're buying it for investment, um, then you've got to find a way where you can get holidaymakers into it uh, and get your, your money being turned over. And yes, you can use overseas agents, etc., to be able to do that all for you. But you've got to do everything remotely uh, uh, when you're based here in the UK and especially uh, over the last year, um, it's been probably impossible, really, really to be able to do that because of travel restrictions, and and who knows how long that that kind of thing may go on. Um, of course, one of the reasons why people want property overseas, it, yes, it may be a fantastic financial investment, but of course, often they want it because they want to go away and holiday themselves, and probably they're going to have bought it somewhere where there is pretty much guaranteed sunshine if not year-round pretty much year-round so places like spain's and portugal's places in the mediterranean cyprus malta and then of course you know places like the canary islands and florida have always seen it been a huge attraction to people and i know in recent years people have been maybe away on a holiday to the likes of somewhere like turkey for instance and booked a package holiday gone and enjoyed it and while they're there they've realized that oh there are properties for sale here it's relatively cheap let's buy one we've got a holiday home in the sun and yeah great fine you've now got your holiday home in the sun but you've still got all your upkeep of it you've still got to you know, pay all the costs associated with that um, and of course if anything goes wrong or, or uh, you don't want to pay all the charges and everything to have it managed for you you're a long way away from where that that property is and of course we're no longer in the EU as well so um, you know buying outside of the UK makes it uh, you know, a lot more difficult for people. Are you going to get the same sort of return on your investment as well? Because that would be something that a lot of people are going to think, OK, well, it's cheap now, but actually, am I going to get my money back on this or is the price going to get even cheaper and I'm going to lose out? Well, in terms of, of, of how much money you're going to make, this is going to vary wherever you go anywhere in the world uh, and wherever you buy. And it's the same just here in the UK as well. Um, I guess it all comes down to what budget have you got available? You know, uh, how are you going to fund the the, uh, the purchase of this property? And um, are you just buying it for yourself? In which case, it's a long term in, in, in a long term investment, and um, and you're not probably as bothered about the income so much as as, as long as it retains its value and increases over time in the ways that uh, other investments would do. But if you're buying it for a holiday let, um, then you've maybe got a much bigger market to be able to. Uh, 
market too because you're probably going to pull people from all over the place to go and stay in somewhere especially in a sunny location but in terms of whether it's going to be a better investment or, or a worse investment than investing here in the uk it really will depend on the sums and the location the running costs and that all comes back down to what i think the guys have been saying across the podcast so far research 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 understand it all understand the financials know what you're getting into know whether you're doing it for yourself or whether you're doing this uh, as a mixture for yourself and for just income or whether this is just a straight income earn i think once you've done those sums and you understand the legals and the restrictions around those those destinations that's when it will help you decide whether over Overseas is better for you than here in the UK. Vanessa, do you, do you have a property overseas or not? Uh, I did have. Um, we had an apartment in uh, Cyprus near uh, Larnaca. And unfortunately, it was a, a failure all around. I, I, I just think that the risks of buying abroad, uh, they it's, it massively amplifies the, the existing risks, even buying closer to home. Um, because you're so reliant uh, on third parties that are thousands of miles away uh, that you may struggle to stay in contact with for whatever reason. Um, yeah, it wasn't a good experience. Um, definitely felt kind of burnt by it, to be honest. Um, but I think if you're buying it uh, to use yourself, uh, that that's a different mindset, as, as Bob said, um, and and it can be justifiable uh, to do it if you think you're going to use it a lot. A lot of people spend six months in the UK um, during the summer and then six months uh, overseas in their their property in Malta or Cyprus or wherever it might be. Uh, and that that's, that's a lifestyle choice. It enriches your lifestyle. Um, it can be very good for your health and your mental well-being. Um, that's good. Uh, but again, I think if it's just a straight investment, uh, it, the, the risks are, are massively amplified. And just to give you an example, with in my case, um, our, we had a penthouse apartment, uh, which we absolutely loved. We loved the area um, and it had a swimming pool. And unfortunately, other people in the building didn't pay their service charges. So the pool was no longer maintained so it turned green and was full of rubbish and uh, the lifts didn't work and we, we actually couldn't let it out as a holiday let so you know everything sounds so rosy when you're you know over on holiday and you see a, a relatively cheap property and you have a dream that you know you could spend a lot of time there um, and in reality I think unless you do this kind of six months uh, swap over between the UK and, and your holiday home abroad. I think, you know, a lot of people actually don't end up using it uh, as much as they think they might. And this goes back right to the first podcast where we talked about, you know, getting to the airport, having uh, luggage limitations, having children that are fretting, uh, standing in queues, flight delays. Uh, you know, when you actually think... Um, actually, I've got to go through all that to get there. It's quite easy to talk yourself out of it. And even now, um, you know, our, we've got the, the property in Dorset, which I absolutely love. It's going to be our retirement home. But even just thinking about going down there, um, it's it's a, nearly a three hour drive for us. Uh, it, it kind of does put me off. Um, and that's a UK property. And, and, you know, I think there is a place for overseas property, but you have to 
massively research it. You have to have very good feet on the ground supporting you and you need an extremely competent lawyer um, who is versed with the legalities of property ownership in that country. Well, I was going to say that as well, Rachel, um, because, you know, you look at the advantages and the disadvantages, the return on the investment, the management of the property, the ease of access, the marketing, how much you're going to use that property yourself, selling it in the in the future. But a lot of people might not even think about the, the legals and also the taxation aspect of it if they're buying somewhere abroad, Rachel. Of course, and there's much more sort of readily information available for, for the properties that are based in the UK. It's easier to understand. You've got agencies like ourselves that understand it a lot more that can give you helps, hints and tips, guidance on all of that. Whereas, as Vanessa's just said, if you don't have firm feet on the ground overseas, that's very tricky and very um, very hard to understand. Um, you know, a lot of it is even just the translation of it over. Um, and I think you've hit on a really important point there about the, the management of the property, not even the management of the ongoing property, but, but physically the setup, actually doing that property up, getting those photographs taken, the description taken, getting that advertised with an agency and making sure you've got all of the relevant health and safety documents in there. All of that is extremely difficult if you are not, you know, sort of a couple of hours away um, or you haven't got somebody uh, who, who is nearby helping and supporting you with all of that. So it's something that I think people need to take into serious consideration when choosing to purchase in the in the UK versus um, purchasing abroad. Yeah, I was just going to add here that uh, another thing to, to remember with buying overseas is, and just a cautionary thing, we had family property in Spain for many, many years um, on the Costa Blanca. And I know when my parents originally bought that property, um, there is very little development in that area. And so this is wonderful, you know, a lovely little villa, isn't it? Amazing. Um, but of course, over the years, um, that particular coast, as have many areas across uh, the tourist destinations of, of Europe, became absolutely overrun with developments. So you go from an area potentially where you maybe go and invest in and you buy somewhere in and you use it yourself, you're renting it out. But of course, over the years, you find the sheer volume of competition of other properties available uh, in that area uh, just goes through the roof. Not only does the competition in terms of the volume go through the roof, of course, the standard of the fixtures and fittings change over the years as well. So you've got to upgrade your property you've maybe had there for longer. When you compare that to maybe, say, like the UK, um, you know, of course, we have development here in the UK, but development certainly in a lot of the uh, the big tourist areas tends to be, you know, very heavily controlled. Um, uh, you know, it isn't development for development's sake, which I think is something uh, has been quite guilty of uh, in, in, in other parts of the world. And so, you know, what we saw in Spain was, you know, we got to the point where we felt, well, we've got to spend a lot of money on this to, to be able to keep up, if you like, to make sure we still keep getting bookings or we need to basically sell. And, and we sold around the time of the crash uh, back in, in 2008. Interestingly, you can go back and buy that property now, and that one's very similar to it in that area, for not much more than what we, we sold for all the way back then, because there's just too much property there. It's in such oversupply that from an investment point of view, you know, you've maybe not made the money that you maybe thought you would do. So it, again, it all comes back to research, understanding, knowing that market. I'm sure here in the UK, if you bought a property back uh, in, in 2008 in any of the kind of areas we know people go away on holiday to, um, I'm sure that property would definitely have increased in value during that time. And just to finish off, if you had the golden wand, where would you 
go and get your next holiday property? Where is the place that you've you've always wanted, head or heart, that you've always wanted to be in? Bob? <laughs> well, I think if it was somewhere that was just for me and it was for me just to go and escape the world and this is where I'm going to stay and I'll just let my friends and, and some family stay there and I'm not doing this to, to, to make money, I would go up to that, that northwest of Scotland um, because you feel remote, you're away from everywhere, have amazing, beautiful walks and scenery. And on a lovely summer's day, you've got beaches that will rival the Caribbean in their look and feel. It's just the palm trees which are missing. Uh, but I think if I was going to do, if I was going to do this as a business, and I, I, I live in kind of the South Manchester area. I would certainly be looking at somewhere like North Wales or somewhere like the Peak District, purely because they're ease of access uh, for me to be able to run and manage that if I wanted to do so. Uh, I know I could get loads of bookings year round. Um, and um, I know there are areas that, in, that they are in great demand and I can manage it easily. So I think that's what I'd do. In terms of the sort of customer demand, I mean, we, we've touched on them throughout, you know, Cornwall, Devon, the Lake District, um, East Anglia, uh, Northumberland, Scotland. They um, certainly are, uh, as I said, the top and most popular um, destinations at the moment. Personally, one of my favourite places, as, as Bob said, he was talking about um, Dartmouth, Solcombe. Um, they're some of my favourite parts of the UK, but likewise, being based in Chester, I would go North Wales. There's some fantastic spots um, close to Anglesey, um, the Snowdonian National Park, Conway, Abbasock. There's just some wonderful places there and so much development going into those areas. And house prices are relatively cheap there in comparison to others. So I'd probably be able to get a larger property for my buck um, over there than I would somewhere else. So uh, I would I would second that and go North Wales. I'm afraid I can't choose just one. <laughs> I'm always looking my eyes are always open and I'm looking at properties and locations and I, I just love doing that. I'm a, you know, certified propertyaholic. I absolutely love Marazion in Cornwall because I love St. Michael's Mount. I think it's one of the most beautiful views in the world. So I would love to have somewhere there. But obviously prices are, uh, you know... They're 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 uh, toppy there. Um, I absolutely love uh, the Northumberland coast, so maybe uh, Craster or or Lindisfarne or, or around there. We're so fortunate in the UK to have these just incredible seascapes and landscapes and uh, historic buildings and history. And you know you can go back in time hundreds of thousands of years. You've got these gorgeous coastal walks. Um, which are a big attraction to, to guests as well. And probably finally, uh, if it was my heart and it was somewhere that I'd want to spend a lot of time myself, uh, my husband and I are massive fans of the Scottish coast um, and probably the Outer Hebrides uh, would, would be a wonderful place to, to have somewhere just because of, you know, as, as we've said, some of the beaches are like the Caribbean without palm trees um, and the, the scenery is very rugged. Um, and I actually also love the Orkney Islands as well, uh, being up there in the motorhome. So actually we've spoiled for choice and we're just so blessed to have such um, wonderful landscapes and seascapes and things to do. 
and places to see and adventures to be had. So, um, yes, go go fill your boots. <laughs> it's all there to explore. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Uh, from me, John Foster, and from our guests, thanks for listening. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. Thank you.